0: a question I'm going to record your answer and then I'm going to include it on my podcast which I'm trying to get launched this week and I will let you listen to it first so that you are not embarrassed (laughs) you ready
1: yeah what's the question
0: what is money
1: Welcome, Boom Xers. Let's throw out the old playbook. It's time to tear down the traditional way of looking at your life and money and
0: leverage the laws of money to our advantage. That's right. There are laws of money. And those who learn and leverage the laws of money win and sometimes win big.
1: Stay tuned as Asset Protection Attorney Daryl Tuttle, educator and leader of the Boomex Nation, shows us how. Beginners,
0: investors, entrepreneurs, fellow attorneys, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's arm this ball. Now, here's the Boomex Show. The Laws of Money. Welcome to episode four of the Boomex Show, Laws of Money podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Tuttle. One of the objectives of this podcast is to offer tips, recommendations to warn you of traps regarding your wealth, wealth planning. I'm on your side. However, the look and feel of the podcast is storytelling for sure, a little bit of humor. I will have guests on the show that I interview, as is the case today. I am super excited to announce that uh, Boom X Nation and Boom X Academy have launched. And boomxnation.com is the site that is also the home of the Boom X Show, this podcast. And <laughs> you know me, <laughs> I kind of go overboard sometimes, but. Um... If you want to know more about the topics that we discuss on this podcast, you can go to boomxshow.com and it will take you to a very unique, I I will say this, it may sound a little bit arrogant, but it's true. I I have, of course, studied the other podcast in the space about the finance, financial interests and studies and investing and budgeting and all these things that are out there. I can tell you there is no podcast like this one. When i launched the boomx academy the whole idea behind it was hey let, let, let's just like have free and some tuition-based courses because it does take a lot of effort putting you know materials and object uh, assignments and courses and lessons and and all of that however uh, there are there are and will be free courses at boomx academy and so when i built the the website it, it was a platform for membership there's free memberships if you want to ask a question that about something that you heard on this podcast, go to Boom X Nation, join as a free member. I call it a citizen. That's one of the levels, citizen of Boom X Nation. It's free. And I have made a special forum discussion group so we don't have to email and send smoke signals and do all this crazy stuff just to ask a question. Just become a member. Go to the forum. Ask the question. I check it every day. I'll answer it. And hopefully we will develop a community and um, you can share your stories of success and failure and, and, you know, help other people. That's the concept. The academy w- was also part of the chassis, the platform, in which I could easily create courses that communicated ideas and concepts about the law. And so I just used that for the podcast. And so you can go and listen to, re-listen to an episode of the boom show laws of money podcast but you can also go to the free free to enroll free to jump around and take what you want in any order you want you can jump from episode one to episode five or four or whatever and you will see additional content my show notes most of which never even makes it into the episode and just to be crazy you know i developed um, this little mascot this little moniker by accident I I have been down in Puerto Rico in the Caribbean episode 5 which is coming up I will tell you the amazing fortune and misfortune bad luck and blessing that I had while I was there however I mean when you're in Puerto Rico there is like a feel of like Pirates of the Caribbean the parts of the movie were filmed right there in fact, I was in um, San Juan at the uh, Vanderbilt Hotel. First time I've ever been into an infinity pool. Like in the pool and you can look out to the Caribbean Sea and it's just it was just beautiful and amazing. And you know, I'm feeling like, man, I guess maybe this is a little fancy for the pirate theme I've you know feeling I've had since I've been here. And lo and behold, I look out into the Caribbean Sea and on the horizon is a wooden big sailing ship, like a pirate ship. <laughs> and I go, see? I mean, those guys are going to land any minute and have a, a, a shore party and start looting. But So, if you will really recall, every single episode of the Boom X Show has a law of money. I have a separate course so there's a free podcast where I have content and then there's each day there's a new law of money. And we today will be law number three. And just for fun, you know, I created this character, Jack Tar, which is an old British sailing term for an old salt. Old salt and Jack Tar mean the same thing. It is a crusty, experienced asset protection. I mean, pirate captain who has some serious game but is direct and to the point. And so at the end of the episode, you will hear this kind of fun Jack Tar recitation of today's law of money. Now the very first law of money, episode one, was you can't take it with you. And so the law of money related to that on the companion course is, do you know that the most generous provision in the entire law and at least in the entire tax code is called step up and basis. It is a way to avoid capital gains tax. And it is effective at death because the asset of the asset owner must be left behind because Jack Tar was right. You can't take it with you. And if you do it correctly, you are going to get preferential tax treatment in a way that will blow your mind. We have to take a break. We'll be back right after this.
1: Hey, Boom Xers. Have you heard about the new Boom X Academy? This online academy offers courses that are taught by Daryl Tuttle, host of the Boom X Show, and other educators. Many courses include a digital lesson book, video presentations, and illustrations to help you plan and live a successful retirement.
0: Welcome back to the Boom X Show, Laws of Money podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Tuttle. Have you already earned your money? You've already learned how to save and budget and set financial goals. But in the back of your mind, you're wondering, is there something else I should be doing? The answer is yes, there is. But where do you go to get the right answer without paying a lot of money to people who speak money management mumbo jumbo or worst of all, legalese by attorney? I am one, I can say that. But I've got good news. The Boomix Academy is now open for enrollment. We take anyone of any experience level, was a willingness to learn about wealth, about the laws of money, about asset protection, and legacy. Legacy to hold and protect money for generations, not just one lifetime. We'll even take lawyers. <laughs> Some. You gotta laugh. To learn more, go to boomxacademy.com. I have a special treat for you. When I first started practicing law... Uh, 1996, I have always been the sort of person that really is not uh, a, a, like a team player, <laughs> like I'm a lone wolf. I've set up my own uh, law firm, sole practitioner, have been on my own from the get-go. And when you graduate from law school, as I had indicated in the first episode, you were licensed to give advice and counsel and legal services and represent people in exchange for compensation but really what do you know you have no experience i started my career and was um, a criminal defense public defender for about a year and at that time of my legal practice it, it was very odd because i had two practice areas a financial advisor had taken a liking to me before i even graduated from law school and said hey i will refer estate planning cases to you of course, I said, what do I know about estate planning? I mean, I took the class, trust in estates and property and a few other things, but I was intimidated by that. He said, don't worry about it. I'll teach you everything you need to know. <laughs> it was. A, I thought, you're, you're a financial advisor. What do you know? Well, it turns out he, kn- he, he knew quite a bit. And, of course, he referred estate planning cases to me, and I just kept grinding at it and getting better and better until it became the sole focus of m- my career however in the early days therefore, just a while i was a criminal defense attorney and that experience exposed me to this term one percenter i'd never heard that term uh before or actually since but back then i learned what it was and a one percenter is a reference to the type of motorcycle enthusiasts that you see out on the roads with their Harley and their um, logo, kind of Hells Angel-looking type demeanor, <laughs> the culture <laughs> that you see as being related to a criminal gang. And and the, the term 1% was back in the 50s, James Dean or somebody in reference to The new cray fad of people riding motorcycles, a police officer, somebody famous said, 99% of motorcycle enthusiasts are law-abiding citizens. (laughs) It's the other 1%. Well, in that world, a 1%er is somebody as a moniker of respect or or, or a moniker of fear that, you know, stay clear of that guy. He is 100% invested into supporting the motorcycle lifestyle By dedication to his craft, which is crime. (laughs) Now, my special guest that I have today, I'm not sure he's going to like my reference, but he's a one percenter. Um, There are all kinds of people with different skill sets and education and motivations in the financial world, the money world, both on the legal side and the financial advice side. However, in the law side, you know, I mean, I, I admit that I've developed a little bit of game as an attorney, but most of my clients have net worth below $10 million. In fact, most are below a million dollars. I, I represent real people, families, middle class. I said on the first episode, I'll say it again. If you have net worth of $2 million or above, you're in the top 2% of wealth owners in this country. So wealth and money in America is not what you think it is. Now, the guest that I have on the show today works for one family. He spent his entire career in estate planning law. We went to law school together. Um, he, he also is still uh, an Army JAG Corps National Guard officer. So we have that in common. And we've been estate plan- in, in the same community in the practice area since the covered wagon days. Now, the difference between my practice and his is that he has reached the point where he works for one family in a private office. I can't tell you the family's name, but if I did, it would be a name that you recognized. And And I call him a one percenter because the work that he does is intensely focused and it is at a level, an understanding of wealth, of income, and money that uh, most people can really only imagine about. And the family that he helps, their wealth would be equivalent or greater than 99% of the wealth owned by <clears throat> would be greater than the wealth owned by 99% of the rest of us. And so the question is, I mean, law and money have one characteristic in common that they are both made up that like human imagination. I mean, like sure a dollar bill exists in the physical world, you can touch it as a piece of paper, but a $100 bill it costs the same amount of money to print a $100 bill as a $1 bill. And but for the picture of George Washington versus Benjamin Franklin, there's no difference intrinsically between the two. But yet we associate an idea of value, a concept, an imaginary, an imagination of something else that one has 100 times more value than the other. The law, like a trust, is the bread and butter of estate planning. Personal assets are held in a trust. Business assets are held in an S corporation or LLC or another type of business entity. However, they do not exist in the physical world. A trust instrument and articles of incorporation are what we say creates the trust, but they're both instances are pieces of paper with printed words on them and signatures on the back page, when the documents are signed, they become to us effective. But yet, I can't go out and touch a trust or a corporation. And so, exactly what is the value, the idea, the meaning of of money? Now, when we come back from the break, I ask this question of my buddy, who is a one percenter, a one percent attorney. And uh, I didn't tell him what I was going to ask him. And you will hear, uh, I I am going to play, dedicate the rest of this episode to the conversation that we had. And at the beginning, don't think that there's a malfunction because there is a long pause as he noodles on the question. Got to take a break. When we come back, I'll ask the question to an elite attorney, what is money? Hey, Boom Xers, Daryl Tuttle here. We all want to take care of our families. Being a hero to our families can sometimes be a little bit intimidating. Conquering the paperwork, understanding the account statements. What is the first step? For years, I would say, you have to meet the law's requirements. You must first start with legal documents. Well, of course I would say that, I'm a lawyer. But now, in hindsight, I realize that meeting the law's requirements without the proper system in place to, in a sense, have a place for the legal documents to exist and reside, along with your financial information, along with all of the important information about you and your plan to build family wealth is meaningless. But where to start? Start by first organizing and conquering paperwork clutter. That's why I put together the Boom X Vault and EverPlan system. This online and completely secure digital portal allows you to upload all of your important information, your financial information, your legal information, your legal documents. On top of it, I've added the ability for you to add family members, decision makers to the portal, the financial command post, shall we say, so that when the time comes, everyone has the right information at the right time. Let me show you how the BoomX Vault Everplan System work. Go to boomxshow.online online to learn more. I have added helpful step-by-step guides, checklists, and an online community. That's boomxshow.online, dot online. online. question. I'm going to record your answer, and then I'm going to include it on my podcast, which I'm trying to get launched this week. And I will let you listen to it first so that you are not embarrassed. (laughs) You ready?
1: Yeah. What's the question?
0: What is money?
1: Well, I can give you a dry... Kind of technical definition about it being a medium of exchange between parties
0: i, I think that you spent a lot of time professionally talking about money and i don't think that when you use the concept of money that's what you what you're referring to
1: uh no i think um I think I don't spend a lot of time talking about money. I, I think I spend more time thinking or talking about wealth uh, than I do money specifically, but I view wealth as a broader concept. Um, and in that regard, uh, it, uh, it can represent a lot of things to different people. Uh, it can be uh, the, the freedom and flexibility to pursue something that you might be interested in and not otherwise be able to do. Um, so it, it, can be the ability to pursue philanthropic interests, uh, that, um, that having, uh, some wealth available to you allows you to do, um, whether it's because that allows you to sprinkle and spread that wealth, uh, to other people or to other organizations philanthropically, um, or because the wealth allows you to support your lifestyle while you're going out there and, and uh, um, you know, doing the, the philanthropic work, the labor itself. Um, uh, so that's, that's one way of viewing it. Um, you can also think of wealth as a, uh, um, as a form of security. Um, you know, having the ability, availability of wealth or money um, provides a certain amount of security. Um, I, you know, to, I think anybody, um, correspondingly, not having it, provides a certain amount of insecurity. people Um, it can be an opportunity to uh, pass along your values um, to uh, to succeed in generations Um, so for example you could use the availability of wealth uh, as a means of educating your children um, about um, or your children grandchildren for that matter about uh, how to responsibly manage something that you've been blessed with um, and uh, use it as a way to pass along your values. Um, I'll use philanthrop- uh, philanthropic interests uh, again as another example. If if you're particularly charitably inclined and you wanna pass that value along to your children, um, then you could use the availability of wealth uh, as a means of establishing a philanthropic organization um, or making a contribution to a charitable trust or something like that, and then get the kids involved with the management of it. Um, and uh, deciding how the the wealth is going to be distributed among uh, charities that might be competing for the attention. Uh, so there's there's a lot of different ways you could think about wealth uh, and uh, things that you can do with it. So yeah, it's definitely a medium of exchange and commerce. But that was an
0: awesome answer. I'm disappointed, actually.
1: What
0: did you think I was going to say? <laughs> well, I, you know, the Boom X show, I took it off the radio um, and have been thinking about my law practice and have been coming close to walking away from it
1: mm-hmm.
0: for, for really seriously for like five months.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, you know, like one of the questions I'm, I ask is, like, what is the purpose of your money? Your description was really great because it, it is a, something that allows you to implement your, your values and your judgment, you know, your morals in, mm-hmm. in a sense, but people don't think that way. And I, I candidly, Doug, I've been struggling to give my clients context to point. And so when I launched the new podcast, I've been thinking, um, I think I'm just going to do the po- The topic is going to be, money and people's relationship to it and just kind of have more of a kind of vague NPR style quest for the search for purpose Mm -hmm. and um now I'm gonna have to wait until the season two because your answer was some good I can't (laughs) I was hoping to ambush you like hey I got this buddy who if there's anybody that knows what the answer is and I thought that you would go but you didn't
1: (laughs) Uh, so thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and another thought to, to your question uh, about what is money and, and some of the answers I was giving you, and this kind of gets to the, the point I was making about a little bit about security, but also passing along values. Um, I'm, I, uh, I guess this kind of goes to values. Um, um, one of the things that I've thought about, you know, a lot of people are, are trying to build up and save for their retirement. Um, because they they want to live a certain lifestyle. And, you know, we all hear that that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and I agree with that. I, I think that uh, having um, an income in excess of your, your current consumption needs is great. And uh, if you can save up and um, be able to live comfortably in retirement, that's that's wonderful. Um, as it turns out, uh, you know, my kids have some interests um, that may not be things that, um, they would be very fulfilling, and I think they would be worthwhile pursuits, um, but they may not uh, provide for the kind of financial compensation and remuneration um, that would allow my kids to build up a significant retirement. Um, And so one thought that I've had is, well, you know, if I can save more than I need for my own retirement, um, then I can make sure there's something there to pass along to my kids, uh, because I would like them to be able to pursue the kinds of things that they want to and that make them happy, um, and and that I think are worthwhile pursuits, um, but they're of a more artistic nature. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so if I can help them uh, live a lifestyle uh, that is more comfortable than it would otherwise be, um, and supplement their income with something that my wife and I can leave them, um, well then, great, I'm happy to do that, because I value the, the things that they are interested in. I think those are worthwhile pursuits, I just don't think they pay very well. So, right, right. Uh, you know, so it, it, uh, it, uh, my, my goal is to not spend my last nickel as I'm falling over dead. Um, it's to, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, kind of bless my children with uh, being able to have the freedom to pursue the things they want to pursue without worrying about, uh, you know, living paycheck to paycheck or something like that. Right. So it's, it's kind of a, a question of giving them the security uh, they want, not so much me, doing okay so
0: i guess i'm trying to maybe roll out something on a smaller uh, individually and smaller estate type cases that's kind of analogous to what you're doing i mean you know generational family trust and you know too often it's like you have to kind of pull twist some arms and do some education and put some effort into what it means to just leave your estate outright to your kid Versus a trust, and then the trust I draft, or the same trust you've been drafting and seen, it's just this template thing that doesn't resonate with the client. You're lucky because you've got a a mechanism. You've got your clients have a system in in place. Normal people don't have a system. That's why they don't have a relationship with money. To them, it's just hard. I mean, it's it's hard for them. It's hard for me too, Doug, because. It's, um, I am putting out essential documents mm-hmm. basically. And when I read the essential documents, I'm bored <laughs> and I know what they say, and I still don't, you know, it's just ridiculous. So I'm trying to rethink some things. Um,
1: you know, I used to tell people when I would put a trust in front of them and have them sign it this before I came here. Um, and, and people have kind of a different perspective, but people would look at it and they would look at the length of it. And as I'm, I'm, Walking them through it and explaining different points, I would say, you know, there's, yeah, there's 25 or 30 pages of paper here. Let's talk about the four pages that matter to you. The rest of it is just attorneys and accountants talking to each other.
0: That is brilliant. Why didn't you tell me that five years ago? Because <laughs> <laughs> I finally have said, because, you know, my documents are this thick. It's that, it, they used to be this thick, and now they're that thick because I'm 55. So I made the font larger <laughs> so I right. could read it. We went yeah. to font size 14, but, um, yes. I go, look, you know, don't read, don't read these documents. You're not the target market. This is, um, for lawyers and IRS agents. And well, that's not very satisfying to people. You know, yeah. I, I know they're like most attorneys have their clients. They see the clients, see the documents at signing for the first time. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing wrong because we have three document review meetings. Yeah. And the reason I I do, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I I mean, like I started doing that because I, I didn't want it to just be a transaction Mm -hmm. and having more meetings gave meaning to my law practice.
1: Yeah. It gives the relationship more substance. Right. Yeah. I I think that's important. Um, that's something that I wrestled with when I was in private practice that, uh, people view their estate plan in a very transactional way. And, um, You know, they do it uh, and they stick it in a drawer or safety deposit box or something like that. And 15 or 20 years later, they might remember, oh, I should probably take a look at this. Or, you know, maybe maybe my life circumstance has changed enough that I should have somebody review this for me when it, you know, probably changed three or four years after you signed the thing. Um, And that was always a challenge for me because people establish those kinds of close, ongoing relationships with their financial advisors and with their CPAs. But that's because their financial advisor is they, – they have better reason to sit down and talk to the financial advisor because the market changes and the, the portfolio changes and things like that. Um, and they have better reason to talk to their CPA because they need their tax return done every year. Uh, but they don't think they have a reason to sit down and talk to their attorney every year. And so it really yeah. is much difficult to establish – uh, the, the ongoing relationship uh, or, or to establish any kind of relationship and to not be viewed as somebody who's just providing a transactional service that uh, you know is, is a one and done kind of thing. that was always one of the challenges for me in a estate planning practice is that you know you're, you're always out there on the marketing hustle uh, whereas the CPAs and the financial advisors you do it for 10 or 15 years and yeah you want more new clients but you kind of get to a point where you're comfortable and the work keeps on flowing. And in estate planning, you may get follow-on work down the road, but once you've done the initial transaction, you're never going to make as much money. You you can't, um, the the relationship isn't as naturally annuitized as it is for a CPA and a financial advisor. They keep on making that money over and over and over again. Um, Whereas a planning attorney, you know, you make a few thousand bucks at the outset and a few years later, somebody needs amendment. I mean, how much are you gonna charge them for an amendment that takes you two hours to put together?
0: Yeah. yeah. And when it comes to advising on money, I mean, like if my show is about money,
1: yeah,
0: um, like we have superpowers, you and I,
1: mm-hmm.
0: compared to a financial advisor for a yeah. few reasons. First, our, our industry actually requires that we take a course before we can, <laughs> and it's a three-year course. Yeah. Whereas a financial advisor, um, the history behind the 1949 Investment Advisors Act was there was so much fry going on, Congress said, okay, stop. We're going to keep an, an eye on you guys. Yeah. And um, the second reason we have superpowers is because, especially, man, I'm getting cranky in my old age. I am on your, the client side. Mm-hmm. Like You pay me by the hour. I want to know what the rate of return was. I want to tell you, ask you, do you even know what a benchmark is? How far off the benchmark were you? and this is what these guys charged you, I don't care if you continue to make the decision to stay where you are another year, but I at least think you should look me in the eye and give me the the rationale behind being 10 points below benchmark and paying 6K for a guy that probably did three hours of work the entire year. For example, you know, the movement is towards, everything's commoditized now, so you can pull a dimensional fund off the shelf for almost free, and these guys are like buy and hold. Okay, well, thank you. I would pay... 400 bucks for some guy to tell me the correct mutual funds to buy. I don't need to pay him a UM annually for him to say, good, keep it up, hold it. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, the, um, some people speak of the robo-advising somewhat derisively, but the fact of the matter is, is that some of the information you can get um, I know through Vanguard, uh, they've got a lot of online tools and Fidelity owns something called eMoney. Um, and the, the level of sophistication that you get out of those things, you know, you, you may have to do some of your own work after that in terms of like rebalancing, uh, your portfolio, but, um, but you're getting the same advice that the financial advisor is going to give you. They're going to say, mm-hmm. Oh, yep. well, fill out this questionnaire give me some information about your age, your goals, um, your risk tolerances, things like that. And okay, here's the, the mix uh, of investments that I recommend for you. Um, and and here's what you got. Um, well, hell, I mean, they're getting that information from a computer program. It's not like they're sitting there pulling it out of thin air. Um, That's right. So, yeah. The, the robo advising is, is really a, a, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for it uh, for people who are, you know, in a range where it makes sense to get some kind of advice, but having a, um, an ongoing, expensive AUM kind of relationship doesn't make any sense.
0: It, it does not. And uh, those guys only look at retirement as I'm here to help you pay for golf and cruises yeah. in Disneyland. They just muck it up when it comes to last phase of life dying unreimbursed medical expenses. That's where, yeah. the game, that's where the game is, and so, I, you know, I get frustrated. Um, so uh, thank you, I'm going to stop the recording so we can, you can feel like you can swear now. From years of hosting the Boom X Show, I know that often, listeners feel like they're sipping water from a fire hydrant. You might have a question, you might have a suggestion, but how to reach us? At one point, we considered using Pony Express carrier pitch was another idea also we looked briefly at smoke signals but in the end we decided that a free online community would be far easier that's why we created a community a community of boom Xers a nation I know we'll call it boom X nation The free online community at BoomXNation.com is a perfect way to ask questions about the laws of money, about upcoming events, about financial wealth building and asset protection without cleaning up after pigeons and feeding horses and sending letters through the mail. Membership is now open and free at BoomXNation. All you have to do is register at BoomXNation.com. Dot com. Once again, that's boomxnation.com. I recorded that interview with m- my friend, the uh, one percenter, let's see, about seven months ago. And putting the episode together and listening to our conversation again, I really realized the legal secrets that were unveiled in that conversation. Talk about lifting up the hood and, and letting everyone, even clients of mine and prospective clients, see what's underneath and, and what the thought process is, to me was liberating. I hope to the clients. I mean, people are not fools. There is monet, There are monetary interests at stake in in any industry i believe that the duty to the client of the legal services industry is helpful but candidly one disappointment i have in my chosen profession is that sometimes essential documents for example are sold at prices that are just too high it keeps people away Keep people out of moving forward. The conversation about a transaction, well, candidly, has has really worn me down as a professional. And uh, I, I, it's a major motivation for this podcast, in which, on a national level, we can communicate concepts and even offer tools and solutions at a price that is reasonable. That's, that is the goal. The concept of money is really the concept of value. As human beings, what is the, the thing that is the most valuable to you? What is the most important thing? I doubt that you're that different than I am, th- than my buddy, the one percenter. I have represented so many people and at the end of your life I don't care what your net worth is I don't care what your education your occupation what you did for a living it does not matter at the end of your life I know because I've witnessed it hundreds of times in my even my own personal life but amongst my clients is that at the end of your life who you will have left around you is your family and very few or no friends. I know that's bleak, it's an observation. The most important thing is money. When we use the term family wealth, we do not mean money. Financial wealth supports family, our values, our objectives. What we stand for is a family, but family wealth is the sense of security that we feel and that we give family members. Adequate clothing, adequate housing, making sure their medical care, making sure that everyone feels supporting at least or trying to empower as best we can family members to have fulfilling careers, to be geographically diversified. We look at family as an entity, as an organization, the strength not as a collection of individuals. The better the individual does, the stronger the organization is. Rockefeller family, the Kennedy. Think about these generational families and the family that my buddy represents. It's a system that is moral and money empowers the financial vision generationally because of the method. Family wealth gives us also the feeling that we're understood. No one understands us like our family because of the tight bond that we have. A shared financial vision for generations. Forget about retirement planning so you can play golf for the first phase of three of your retirement. Looks like we get to listen to Jack Tar as he gives us today's Law of Money. This is Daryl Tuttle, your host. Episode five, coming up, will take us back. To the Caribbean. The Third Law of Money. Each member of your crew is free to follow their own star. Each member of the crew must know the ship. The crew knows that together the ship is strong, and a strong ship reaches its destination, each member receiving a share of the loot, guided by its captain. Other captains may consider the treasure to be the loot, but we know different we know the third law of money wealth is not the loot wealth is your crew